0: Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this.
1: I think it was in the first service. Um, So what I want to talk about is not just friendships, but I want to talk about significant friendships Intimate friendships. I don't mean intimate as in sexual intimacy friendships. um, Because in the Dutch, that kind of doesn't translate well. But in a friendship, you have intimacy. Intimacy means into me see. See into me. I let you and give you permission to see into my life and my heart. So that's where we're going today. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what your friendship world looks like. And then six keys to building significant friendships. Okay. So you and I know well I, I know, I'm I'm speaking this out, that we exist as a church to make people feel at home, that we're not exclusive we're inclusive. We're constantly saying, welcome, welcome, this can be your home too. We're creating a culture all the time of hospitality. It's one of our strengths, of the big hug of saying, you know, you come in here and we want to get to know you. This is why we have a welcome home group, because we're saying, we'd like you to get to know us, and we'd like to get to know you. This isn't just a place you come and you sit on a seat. This is relationship. This is family. Jesus said, when you join you know, this is a family of God. He said, you know, those who do the will of God are my brothers and sisters. And so in this place, there's the strength of family that we're growing, which is beautiful. And what Steve and I long for is that within this place and outside of the walls of this church, you are building significant, deep friendships. You know, and sometimes there are moments pretty much every week where I'm facing a situation at church, where I'm seeing a difficult situation at church, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally doing an arrow prayer and going, God, I hope that person has got good friends in church. I really hope that they have someone to talk to, that they're open and honest with someone. I really pray that they're in a group, because I know that they're going to need the vulnerability and the depth of friendship around them right now. It's, I pray that a lot. I'm, I'm longing for that, that that's what you have in this place. So, um, we want you to be leaning into the power of friendships with substance. When God created the world, he stood back and he said, he said, it's good. It's very good. And then he made Adam and he said, this isn't good. There's something wrong. In Genesis 2:18, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. See, the first problem in this world when it was created was not sin. It was Solitude. It was being alone. It was being out of social connection. It was social isolation. And even though a a woman was made for Adam, it's it's greater than that. It's that sense of we can't live alone as an island. We say that a lot in this church, that you're built for community. And not just like you're in a community, but you are known, that you have friendships that hold you fast. You have friendships that are like anchors in your life. Friendships are your place of inspiration, They're the source of your laughter. They're the bringer of hope for you. Deep friendships are where you feel safe, where you feel accepted, where you are constantly pointed back to Jesus, and when those people that love you pray over you. Deep friendships are about prayer, about I'm behind you. I've got your back. I'm praying for you. I'm fighting for you. So we need significant friendships we will fight for because they bring physical, emotional, and spiritual health to our life. If you're not fighting for any friendships, you may be struggling to have a depth of friendship with someone, they're worth fighting for. Truly they are. So this, this series is really about spotlighting that friendship room of your heart, the, the rooms of your heart that I talked about a few months ago, well this is the friendship room. This is saying to you how healthy is that room for you What can you be growing? What can you be doing? Where can God be healing something in you? Are you a great friend to people? And do you have great friendships in your life? Are you with me? Which is why, plugging here, we have Beautiful Minds, March the 13th, lounge night, where there isn't any worship. There isn't, there's not, there's not a preach. I want to take this off the back of what we did for our brunch a few months ago about friendships. So let's do it. Let's do the friendship. Let's hang. Let's swap clothes. That let's, let's play games. Let's have fun. Let's develop something meaningful within a community. That matters to me a lot. That matters that you, you have that in your life. So let's look at this diagram that I created called the circles of friendship. This pretty much will map out your life. It'll look different for each one of us. Um, but I call it the circles of friendship, that you are in the middle, that's you, and then around you a different concentric circles the first one being and the second one being those are the two we're looking at today cl- kind of close depth of friendship something meaningful so you are only probably going to have in your life maybe two to five close friends at any one time you know some people talk about i have so many close friends and I'm like wow it can make you feel a bit insecure but really honestly people when i discuss what close friendship looks like you're only going to have a few, and that's okay. It's meant to be that way. Not everyone is supposed to see right into your wells, and not everyone you're going to click with. Having closed this kind of closeness, these friends are the friends where you have a real chemistry and a click. Okay, These friends, you feel very value-valued because they accept you. You feel safe. They sharpen you. They're loyal. They are there for you. They are going to be the first people, if you're in a crisis... You're going to go to them. You're not even going to think. I said that to Steve last night. I said, who would we call in a crisis? Who would we really call in a crisis? First two names came up. We both agreed we'd do that because we just felt they were the ones. We just, we, we instinctively knew. So um, they're them. They're they can be family. They can be family members as well. Like sometimes you've got a brother or a sister or a cousin and they become really, really good friends to you. They're your most trusted people. But as a believer in Jesus, in that close circle, you have to have Jesus friends. You have to have Jesus friends because your life is about going true north. That's what I said when I preached the other week. We're going going in a direction. We're following Jesus. You've got to have friends around you that will take you true north, that will speak to you and say, hey, remember where you're going. Remember where you're going. You know, I, I read this quote a while ago that says, a good friend knows the song or the rap, if you're my son, Ben, because he raps. Um, <laughs> or he likes rapping. Or he likes... I hear a lot of rapping in the house. A good friend knows the song, the rap in your heart, and they will sing it back to you when you've forgotten the words. You have a song in your heart. You have, you have a purpose and a drive, and, and you've got a calling on your life. And a good friend when you've forgotten it, when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through pressures, when you when you've gone through heartache, a good friend will take hold of you and sing back to you the song on your heart. But they'll only sing it back to you if you've let them in, and, and if you've let them in and see what that song is. You've got to let them into your heart and into your soul and into your spirit. Um, and that's and that's that's a challenging thing for some of us to do. True friends will always point you true north. And my deepest friendships that I have in this life, it's about the story. They know my story, and I know theirs. Which is why it takes a long time to grow an old friend. It takes a long time to grow a deep friend. It doesn't happen overnight, because it's story sharing. So those friends that are close to me, they know my journey of finding Jesus and what that meant for me. They know my tough seasons and my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses. They even know my mistakes because I'm not afraid to share them. And I know theirs. That is close friendship. That is the close tight circle. And then you've got brotherhood and sisterhood. And like Jesus, you had 12 disciples, although some of those were closer to him than others. That's your sort of slightly wider group with a lot of meaningful friendships. The people you do life with, you do dinners with, you you hang out with, you're honest with. There's a great bond there. It's those kind of relationships we're talking about. Because everything else is either casual or acquaintances. And we need those too. You're not going to be best friends with everyone in church or everyone at work. It's okay. Casual friends are the renter crowd when you have a party. <laughs> you, they're, you, they're often friends of friends. But you care about them. They're in your world, you might have between 20 and 50 of them. And they, and, and you, you do at some level, you might do life with them. And then you've got acquaintances. And they're more networking people. Maybe you connect with on Facebook. They're maybe their work colleagues. Um, but they're all important. It's, it's important that we have that breadth of connection. But there's a constant slow movement between these circles. All the time. So someone who starts off an acquaintance can become a close friend. It all depends on these six things that I'm going to share with you. It all depends on how much you're prepared to invest into a potential friendship. Everyone in that circle is potential. There's potential for people to move into your circle. There is potential of a close friend to move out. So if I liken my friendship world to a jigsaw puzzle... There are pieces that have got bigger in my life, and there are pieces that have got smaller. And God has reshaped them and recreated them. And that's not actually been very um, comfortable. So, at my 30th birthday party, uh, before I moved here, I was in a certain season of life before we moved here, but it was an uncomfortable, there was a lot going on back at that time in my life. And I sat with these. Ten friends, and I, I'm a speech woman, so I like to give speeches, and I was thanking them. I wanted them to know, at this stage of my life, some of them had been very praying for me to have children, and I, we'd seen that breakthrough, and they were very precious people to me. And I, and, I, and I thanked them all. But within two years, two of those women were the only ones standing. One of them was my sister, so she had no choice. <laughs> and I love her dearly. And there was one more. Every single one of them is not even part of my world anymore. And I had to choose. Do I continue? And that was, pa- that was a painful process. And I've had to work a journey of the heart many times because I've been betrayed of, 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 of reshaping my heart and saying, God, I will still choose to allow people in. I will not close off my heart because people will break your heart, but people will mend your heart. And so we have to allow and create space all the time for people to come in. So that's... The shape. Oh, that was gone. That's the shape of your world. So we're looking at close friendships here. What are six keys to build intimacy, meaning, depth, significance in friendship? So we're talking about moving beyond the superficial to something of substance, because you need it, because I need it, and I work on these six in my friendships mainly out of the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs is the best book for wisdom on um, relationships, friendships. Building life with people, isn't it? Proverbs, it's fantastic. And these two, these six, are great ingredients for building a friendship within marriage. Because I know for some of you, one of your greatest friendships is the person that you married. But it takes long term, we've been married 27 years this year, it takes working on these principles, these values all the time, talking about them and reflecting on them and saying, are these central in our marriage? Because your marriage needs to have a good friendship in the middle of it. And I want that for you too. So Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, one, one who has unreliable friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So there are, Proverbs talks quite a bit about this, that you've got to pick your friends carefully And there are some friendships that don't last long because friends are unreliable. They're not sticking with the six things I'm going to talk about. Friendships get messy. People leave, people come, people go. But there is one loving friend, or maybe two or three, who will stick closely to your heart, who will love you. Because it's not just the multitudes that we need. It's the one kindred spirit. It's the one close friend. They are there for you. And, you know, we were in worship earlier, and when we talked about dry bones come alive, and I had this picture, I'm just stopping my message for a moment, there's a picture for some of you that your friendships have gone to dry bone places, that there's a sense that you've got stuck, that you feel like, where are the friendships in my life that really able to see into me? And I believe today the Holy Spirit's going to breathe something different on you, that he's going to awaken some dry bone friendships in your life and create something new. Amen? Because that's what he's able to do. You don't do this alone. You do this with the partnership of the Holy Spirit. So number one here is expectations. So if you're writing these down, because this is going to be some homework for you, because I, I want you to, th- these aren't things you just hear. You've got to work them into your life. So if you're going to work them into your life, I'd really encourage you to write these down. Expectations. So let me give you some questions. Every time I read out a point, I'll give you some questions. What are your expectations in friendship and how do you know whether they are healthy or not? When you are building a friendship, do you give off high expectation vibes that make people feel uncomfortable? Sorry. My experience in this area, because I've counseled a lot of people in their friendships and sometimes become the middle person in between friendships to help restore something. What I see is this. If you're going to have the right expectations in life about friendships, you have to be secure in God. It is as simple as that. If you are secure in God, if you know who you are, If you get what you need from him, it gives you the best platform from which to give out to other people because we can never find everything we want in one person. You will never find and have all your needs met in your husband or your wife. It was never meant to be that way. Otherwise, we would never need community. So there's people around you that will add and contribute into your life. So if we're always looking for... All the things in one person, we come across as needy. We come across as kind of high maintenance. That I need to get from you everything that I need for our friendship to go well. And that sometimes we wonder why people back off and go, why why aren't they connecting? Maybe, just maybe, our expectations are not quite right. And they need to be found first, 100% in who God is. Friendships are rarely 50-50. You know who you want a friendship to be? Hey, I give 50 and you give 50 back. It doesn't happen that way. That's that's Hollywood kind of friendship. Most friendships go through seasons because we're all going through different stuff in life. And it's either 70-30 or 60-40. You're giving more than that person. And that's okay. We have to be okay with that. Not, no one's going to give you 100%. The only person that's going to give you 100% of your needs is God. That's why when you go to him and you offload and you work with him on these six things, he'll give you everything that you need for a secure, back, for a secure foundation to be able to make friendships. So what are your expectations like of friends? How, how do you come across to people? What are you looking for? What's healthy? We can't go into all I'm just... Throwing it out there for you to think, to think about. Number two is margins. Margins. How much space do you have in your week to build friendships? How much time and creativity are you willing to invest into friendships to make it something meaningful? And I know we can all get busy and we can get tied up with everything else. But for me, if God said looked at Adam and said, this ain't good. we got to change this. He needs community. Then it has to be on our one number one priority list that we are building the very thing that God created for us to push into. And that's friendships. So if your lifestyle is so full you can't make time, the question remains, do I have to shift something in my lifestyle? Does something have to go? Does something have to get reshaped so that I can give where I need to give so I can build what I need to build. Because it takes proactivity to make friendships work. We've, we you know, we can all want certain something. We always go, oh, that's what I want in my life. But then it requires of us to give of ourselves into something. Stories take time to share, as I mentioned. It takes, it takes deliberate focus and investment. It takes dinner parties, friends, dinner parties and tapas nights, and wine and cheese, and that's what we're great at in this church. Hospitality. Use your hospitality. You don't have to have the gift of it. Just just go hospitality. Take people out. Give it a go. Risk it. Take Take a chance with someone and start to develop something. Be spontaneous. Let's not live in a world here where everything is in my agenda says 10 past nine. I can see you. Let's go spontaneous. I sometimes just walk into people's offices and in the upstairs and just sit there. They might be doing something else, but I'm like, I'm wanting to be spontaneous. <laughs> I don't want to just see you on a meetings plan. I'm just going to plop myself on your chair. Um, why? Because I'm, I'm wanting to create the spontaneous. I'm sometimes very intentional about what I'm trying to do. Be there for people. Be there. A friend. If you're going to create a friendship of depth, we have to learn to be there for people. And that means you've got to create margins where you are thinking about them. This morning, I texted someone uh, who I'm developing a friendship with not in this country. And I was praying for her and and her service that she's taking this morning. And I thought, that's not enough just to pray. So I texted her just to let her know I was there. Just because I know that it's developing the friendship. So I just said, hey, I'm praying for the most powerful presence of God in your morning. And I love you. And she just wrote back going, mwah, 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 thank you. That's, that's important. That's not insignificant. That's saying, I'm, I'm not there, but I'm there. I'm with you. So, creating margins in your life is very important to build significant friendships. Number three, gosh, where did the time go? Stop that <laughs> clock. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. If you are not vulnerable, and learn to be vulnerable, you'll find it very difficult to make friendships. Do you feel the freedom to be vulnerable and truthful? Let me tell you this, and this is really important, so lean in to this one. Vulnerability is not a weakness. I want you to tell it to someone else around you. Turn around to someone else and say, hey, vulnerability is not a weakness. It's not a weakness. Do you know, if that's your script in your head... It has to go. It has to go. Because it is a myth that is profoundly dangerous in our society that creeps into the church and says vulnerability is weakness and we should not have it. Vulnerability and weakness are two different words with two different meanings. But we put them together and we say that's what vulnerability is. It's not. Jesus never told us to wear armor to protect us from being hurt or vulnerable with others. He, he never told us to deny the truth. He did not call us to keep our distance from one another. Okay? He, he, he didn't tell us that we'd never get hurt in friendships. His gospel is one of walls down, sacrificial love, laying down your life for your friends, being called to be authentic, being true, being yourself. Jesus empowers and heals your life so that you give yourself permission to be vulnerable. Brené Brown, who I'm studying a lot at the moment, she's a well-known author, um, not coming from a Christian standpoint in her books, but she says this, and I absolutely love this. She says, vulnerability is our most accurate measurement of courage. Vulnerability is our most accurate measurement of courage. See, vulnerability is pure courage. It's emotional risk. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of it. But if you fear it, if you fear vulnerability, um, it, will cause you, it will cause you to avoid the very thing that builds significant friendships. And you'll always wonder, why am I not growing something of any substance? You see, we live in a world that projects, we, the, we live in a world that projects perfection and bulletproofness as sexy. If you're perfect and you're bulletproof and nothing can get to you, you've won. That's not human existence. They don't exist. Perfection and bulletproofness don't exist. It's it's a myth that we live by. We need the courage to let other people see that we are imperfect, that we are spiritual, we're we're genuinely human, we're remade spiritual, we're perfect in Christ, in our identity, but we are imperfect people. And vulnerability is the ability to stand before someone and say, hey, I'm imperfect, I don't have it all together. And if we try and control all the time how our friends see us by appearance management and masks, they'll never see the real you. And they then won't let you see the real them. So we need to, be, we need to have courage. A meaningful relationship requires us to let go. Real vulnerability is not moving from person to person and dumping your stuff and sharing your issues and and stuff that may be real, but your sob story, you know, it's not, it's not dumping on people till they avoid you. That's not vulnerability. That's a neediness. That's, that's attention. That's a wounded heart that needs healing. What vulnerability is, is, is you seeing into me. Vulnerability is, is, is me saying to you, I'm going to give you permission to see into the core of my heart and my spirit And I'm going to be honest about my weaknesses. And I'm going to share my fears and the struggles in my seasons and my motivations. It's messy. It's messy. Vulnerability is messy. But then we're messy people. And it's okay. We have to be okay with messiness. That's the beauty of it. But when you're vulnerable with someone, the other part of that is this. Vulnerability is saying, I let you in. And vulnerability is saying, as a friend, I give you a voice into my life. You have a voice and I will let you shape it, shape my world. I'm going to let you speak into my life. I may even keep myself accountable to you because you're a friend. I'm going to let you shape me and take me to Jesus when I don't feel like it. (laughs) That's what a friend is. And we need to embrace vulnerability because it's attractive. If you're vulnerable in a good way, you're an attractive, connective person to be around. Craig Rochelle says this, Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church, he says, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. See, deep connection will grow as authenticity is sown into the friendship. But shame will keep you from being vulnerable. And shame is not a nice thing. It's an ugly thing. And if you're going to be vulnerable, you have to start from the place that you know that you are worthy that you are a worthy person, that you belong, that you are loved, you are worthy of love, you are worthy of being known. And that's why it all comes back to Jesus. When you know who you are, when you know the worth you have in Jesus, it gives you the platform to be able to reach out in friendships. Hidden shame is an epidemic in our culture. Shame pulls me back. I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to see that I'm broken. I don't want you to see that I'm not a perfect Christian. And that gives birth to fear. And fear will mean you won't move forward in friendships. So we have to be people that say, you know what? I'm not going to hit any more walls or ceilings. I'm going to find my security in Christ first. That's why we preach every week about your relationship with Jesus. Because everything comes from that point. Can I have the band up? That would be great. Safety. Number four. I'm going to zoom really fast. Safety is very important. What makes a safe person for others, what makes makes you a safe person for others? And what might need to be reshaped in you so that you can be that person? Because if someone's going to be vulnerable, they need to be able to have a safe place to do that. So they need to know that they're talking to someone within the parameters of a safe space. Okay, so this is what safe people are like. Safe people encourage others to be honest and authentic because they go first. If you're vulnerable first, you create a safe place. That's why when I'm preaching, I'm always going, at the top of my list of things I'm focusing on when I preach, I'm going, Lisby, am I being vulnerable? Because if I'm not going first, I'm not going to create a connection with you. So that's a hard job for me because I have to work, where can I be vulnerable and where should I not? Um, sometimes I'll cry, sometimes I'll just be, you know, not often, but there are moments I get, I feel it because I'm vulnerable in it. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. That was a good moment, thank you. (laughs) Safe people understand grace, so they give it away to their friends. Safe people don't try and fix a friend. They share when they share their vulnerabilities. That's true in marriage too, right? Safe people don't jump into judgment and wrong conclusions. Safe people embrace their friends and lean in to listen. Safe people will lovingly take their friends to Jesus even when their friends don't want to hear it. Safe friends don't criticize others and they don't criticize the church. Safe friends are planted in the house of God. They're not butterflies. They're not moving around from church to church because that's not safe to make a friendship with someone like that. They want to go, I, know, I need to know that you're planted in the house of God and you're with us, you're for us. Safe people love their friends with God's love. Safe people admit when they've blown it and they're wrong. Safe people forgive and let go and build bridges. Safe people are those who regard the friendship more important than their opinion. That's a safe person. How are you going on that score? What does that look like for you? I wrote this, i wrote, that's challenging. But I want to be that person. What, God, what does it mean for me? What do I have to do? Where do I have to get on my knees? Where do I have to repent? Where do I have to change my mindset? Where do I need to see myself differently to be that person? It's so important. Because when you're a safe person, you breed trust. And trust is the major ingredient in any core, deep friendship. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, is this person safe for me to talk to? Not everyone in your life will have a front row seat like this. Not everyone will be that close to you. Some people are not safe enough for you to talk to and they'll, they'll live on the balcony of your life and they'll watch you from a distance. The people on the front row that see you closest, you've got to know that they're healthy people. That's why it's so good to have relationships where there's Jesus in the middle. Because it brings a sense of right. I know that you're connected to God. And I know that you're safe. I know that you're finding your own healing. Not from me, but you're finding it from God. Got to be okay with that. Number five is having fun. Can I let my hair down? And can I find a mutual place of laughter? Because that's the key ingredient of deep friendship. That you laugh at nothing. That you laugh at everything. That you make crazy memories that will last a lifetime. You know, I took Monique Yarkas with me a couple of years ago to Every Woman in Sydney. And, and, and for different reasons I took her, but I knew we'd go on an adventure together. And we had such fun making memories. And we were at one night in a hotel room and, and we had these beds across the room and we just started laughing for half an hour about absolutely nothing till I ached. I can't remember the last time I ached like that in my stomach, it was so funny. But you know, the reason we could do that is we had spent years building vulnerability, trust, security, to the point where it didn't matter how she saw me and I saw her because we had worked on it over years. So you could have a lot of fun. I don't take myself too seriously anymore. I used to, but you can't afford to. If you're an intense person, hang around people that aren't intense. Laugh at yourself. You gotta laugh at yourself because that's what creates you to be fun. And if you're not sanguine, it's not, it's not about being sanguine. It's about, it's about knowing the power of letting go and enjoying life. And the last thing is this, just before we close, is value. Value. Number six, do you value people in your life so that they draw close to you as a closer friend? Romans 12.10 says, be, d- be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family and try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Outdo yourselves. You know, when, when we, let me, hear, let me hear, hear, me here. When we honor someone, when we celebrate someone, we should all be standing. Come on, I know it's the front row and I said this in the first service. When we honor someone, take the scripture, outdo yourself. Outdo yourself with love and honor. It doesn't outdo ourselves to keep staying sitting down. It's vulnerable to stand up. Why am I standing up to celebrate someone? a God says, outdo it. Go the extra mile, third mile, fourth mile to make people feel they're celebrated and loved. Let's all get up. Let's all go, hey, we're with you. We're for you. Takes the humility to do that. But humility is beautiful. So do we demonstrate how much our closest friends mean to us? What do we do? Do we, are we interested in people? Are we asking questions? Are we celebrating people whenever we can? Are we, are we we sending birthday wishes and cards and love when there's no reason to, are we working out how they love to be loved and giving them their love language? Do we know them well enough to know what kind of gift is going to make them go, Oh, that's amazing. You know that I love that. Sipka took Steve out yesterday. I keep mentioning you. He took Steve out for a late birthday present and took him coffee tasting. And I said, that's because Sivka knows what you like. It's just so lovely. I spent three hours coffee tasting, getting, getting, getting educated. We've got to verbalize why people mean things to us. It's not enough to think it. We have to say it. We have to speak it. We have to honor people in as many ways as we can. Because when you're someone who honors people truly, and you're not afraid of lifting up people. You're an attractive person to be around. And people go, I want a friend like that. You have to become the friend that you want. You have to become the partner that you want to marry. You have to be what you think they're looking for. You have to be the best you. So I want to encourage you to take these six things. To take them to your heart. To work on them. To get before God with them and say, God, do something new in me with this. Reshape me. Recreate me. Recreate my friendships to make them deeper. You deserve them. You need them. We all need them. So why don't we stand up together just in this moment and let God in on this because I know that for some people, this is an uncomfortable message, actually. For some, it's you're thankful. You're grateful. You're like, yeah, I've got those people in my life. But for